0: We've got to learn new skills just to keep up with our clients. We can't always expect them to adapt to us. We, at some point, are going to be forced to adapt. And we saw it during the pandemic. All of a sudden, Zoom hearings and all that stuff, we were forced to do it. But I think at some point, we've got to do it of our own volition.
1: Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams, Bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams coming to you from Southern California. I read a legal blog named May It Please the Court and have two books out titled How to Get Sued in the Sled. In our ongoing series, The Life of a Lawyer, Start to Finish, we're exploring the experience of becoming and being an attorney from applying to law schools through retirement and everything in between. On our last episode in this series, we discussed hobbies and travel with attorney Stephen Lefkoff. But on today's episode, we're going to talk about lifelong learning. We're going to discuss the importance of a continuous learning plan through education and training, the impact on career and personal growth, and the perks of being a lifelong learner. And to do that, our guest today is attorney Kelly J. Proya. She is the founder of Logicate, a private coaching and business school for lawyers. She's an attorney, entrepreneur, and a teacher, and also an adjunct professor at Suffolk University Law School teaching 21st century lawyering. Kelly is also a former in-house IP counsel. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. Well, thank you. Well, we're Let's start out with a little bit of context. Uh, How'd you get into coaching attorneys and maybe a little bit of background about yourself?
0: So I went to law school, uh, graduated in 1998, and went directly in-house as an intellectual property attorney. I did that until I had my daughter, and I took a few years off to be a stay-at-home mom. And I kind of kept a foot in the legal world. I took some interesting projects, did some um, consulting for IP for like one of the weird cases was a uh, an artist who was going to have a documentary film made about them. So I took these weird cases where I would do contracts or trademark work. And then I realized I really didn't like practicing law anymore. So. I had built a small network of attorneys, and most of the time we got together, we were griping about the business of law, all of the things we didn't know, all of the things that were never taught to us, and I started doing my own research, my own learning. I had stacks of business books. I started taking marketing classes. I started taking sales classes, everything I could find to be a better business person, and I started teaching the other lawyers that I had met through networking some skills, some basic skills. And one day I was having lunch with a friend and I was saying, you know, somebody's got to teach lawyers how to be better business people. And he said, yeah, you should do it. <laughs> so I went home, talked to my husband, said I'm quitting the practice of law. And I'm going to start coaching lawyers to be better business people. And he said, have fun. And it all started in about 2014. And I've been doing it ever since.
1: So who do you reach out to? I mean, which is it a young set of attorneys? Or is it like me, an older set of attorneys? Or where where, do you have a particular uh, group of people?
0: So I like to say I work with lawyers in transition. So it's lawyers who usually want to make partner and don't necessarily have the book of business or the skills to actually make it to partnership level. Or I work with lawyers who just made partner and realize being a partner is very different than being a senior associate. And the expectations on them from the firm management is very different. And what I found is most firms do not tell a new partner what is expected of them until they've already signed the partnership agreement. And then all of a sudden, there's a fear. There's this oh, I didn't realize how much of the business I had to bring in. I didn't realize what the obligations were. I didn't realize that like my firm was an eat-what-you-kill firm or it's a firm that I really do have to feed a lot of the younger associates. And they learned this the hard way. And all of a sudden, they're like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And you've already, in some cases, signed the partnership agreement. You've already paid the fees, paid the money to to buy into the partnership. And there's a real fear that, oh, this could go wrong. This could go very wrong. Usually at that point, they either reach out to me individually or the firm will reach out to me and they'll notice, like, like for instance, there's a firm I was working with They brought in a lot of laterals. They brought in a lot of people who had worked for government, like one attorney, for instance, 25 years with the SEC. And he had started with them right out of law school, had all the legal knowledge you could want, but had never had to go market himself, had never had to go out and actually land a client. So they had a subgroup of these type of attorneys. So they brought me in to work with all of them, to work with all the attorneys who are in that boat. But most of the time, I get brought in to work with an individual. And either the individual finds me, or sometimes the firm realizes, oh, this person needs more help, and we need to get them that help.
1: So what role does lifelong learning play in this process?
0: So what I find with lawyers is we plateau. We are... at. In the early stages of our career, like we get out of law school and we've we're in learning mode and we start in our new position. And because law school doesn't teach practical skills, you learn on the job. Law is definitely a very much an apprenticeship in in a lot of cases. So you're learning how to be a litigator from an elder statesman of the profession. You're going and watching them in court. You're doing the research for them. You're we and we at the beginning of our career we do a lot of learning um just how to be a lawyer. But as this, at a certain point we feel like we've got a handle on things. We know the law, we know how to be a lawyer, and we kind of take a back um education and learning takes a back seat and the only real continuing ed we do is continuing legal education like the compulsory education that we have to do to get the credits to show the bar that hey you know we did our 10 hours of of legal you know of CLE and we kind of stop at a certain point and don't take it to the next level. And I think that's where we see a lot of people say, like, lawyers don't want to learn technology. Lawyers don't want to learn how to practice law in different ways. It's we, we get to a comfort level. We know what we're doing, and we, we kind of just stop learning. And one of the things I, when I teach 21st century legal profession to my students One of the first slides I put up on the first class, it it reads something to this effect. We teach in law school as if it were the 19th century. The actual curriculum of law was created in the 1890s. We practice law as if it was the 20th century. A lot of law firms, we still hang on to a business model that was created in 1903. Then we actually practice law in the 21st century and we have clients and who they live, they breathe, they operate in the 21st century. And if we don't learn 21st century skills, we're going to be left behind at some point by our clients because they live, breathe, work in a different in, in industrial model than well lawyers and law firms work in. So my pull is always, we've got to learn new skills just to keep up with our clients. We can't always expect them to adapt to us. We, at some point, are going to be forced to adapt. And we saw it during the pandemic. All of a sudden, Zoom hearings and all that stuff, we were forced to do it. But I think at some point, we've got to do it of our own volition.
1: Right. I read an article today about the digital environment and how much it's necessary to change those job skills and enhance them, as you said, over time. When when you start out being a lawyer, is that the time to start with this idea of learning marketing and business along with the practice of law? Or should you be learning it in law school? I think it is that UCI, University of California at Irvine, here in, in my home practice area, actually does teach practical law now.
0: I think the earlier, the better. I have no problem with them learning it in law school. I have a component of legal marketing, and the business of law is definitely a big part of the class that I teach. I also think, though, it should be encouraged by law firms that their young attorneys should have the skills to bring in business as soon as possible. Historically, a lot of especially big law law firms would say you don't have to worry about bringing in clients. You don't have to worry about marketing. Just worry about learning the law. But what happens is no one ever gets around to teaching them what those skills are. And they get to be a 7th, 8th year and you either, it's one of those things where you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, how do you learn it? Who do you learn it from? And you end up with a point where if you don't have those skills, you might be overlooked for partnership. You might be asked to find a new firm. This firm isn't right for you. Just with a little training and a little information, they might be great rainmakers, but they were never taught how. So I think the earlier, the better.
1: Well, Kelly, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.
0: Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software?
1: And welcome back to Lawyer Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm joined by attorney, entrepreneur, and teacher Kelly Proya. She's the founder of Logicate. We've been talking about marketing and when to start learning it. One of the things that I've noticed over time is that we have moved into uh, a much more of a digital world. People are joining things online, but in my day and still in my practice, I go out and meet and greet and handshake and get involved with people and develop relationships. Which way do you think is the better way to develop a client base?
0: I teach my clients to build a network and a referral network. I have attorneys, literally 100% of their business comes from the people they know. It's, you know, it goes back to the basic principles where people do business with people they know, like, and trust. I think you've got to get out, you've got to meet people, you've got to build relationships. We are in a, a, whether it's digital, you know, through LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook, but I think there has to be an in-person component because we still want to meet people where they as human beings. There'll be younger people who'll say, you know, I'll just hire somebody online or I'll just use a service like LegalZoom or something where I don't have to go out and, and, and actually, you know, interact with people. But for the most part, most of the lawyers, when we do a deep dive into where their business come f- comes from, it comes from the people they know and the people they've built relationships with over the years.
1: You know, before the podcast, we were talking a little bit and we mentioned the company called Rainmaker U and you had you had heard of it and had met uh, the gentleman who runs it. How do those programs help players and like the ones that you run? What is it that, that what's the core development that comes out of those programs?
0: So I view programs like mine and, and Rainmaker U as sometimes we need somebody outside of ourselves like a coach To show us the way, I consider myself like a guide. I'm not the hero of your story, you are, but I'm your guide. I'm your Obi Wan Kenobi or Yoda or whoever. And I teach you the skills that you need to succeed in whatever, in your chosen endeavor. So in my case, it's marketing. So it's those things where most lawyers don't have anybody to talk to about. Hey, I tried this, it didn't work. How, how should I have done it? How should that have gone? You know, can I role play with you? Can I'm going to a major conference. What should I be looking out for? If you don't have anybody to actually ask the questions of, you're going to have a really hard time finding the right answers, and it's going to be a lot of trial and error, and then you're going to end up taking a lot longer than you need to. To reach the results you want. So what a coach does or what somebody like Rainmaker University does, it gives you tools, tricks, ways to of thinking, of being that kind of cut through that trial and error and get you the results faster.
1: Let's talk about one of the things that kind of surprised me about attorney marketing and about this continuous learning aspect is that I remember being in Nevada at, an, at a uh, mediation conference and a young attorney walked in wearing... His French cuffs on his coat or on his shirt, rather, unfolded, not not buckled back over each other, and I had took him aside and coached him through how to uh, you know kind of get dressed properly. But one of the things that Rainmaker you taught me was how to dress and how to appear. I one of my best friends once said to me something that I've never forgotten: everything you wear is a costume. So these days. A lot of costumes at home are sweatpants and t-shirts and out at events a little bit more casual. What's your recommendation on how you should be dressing as an attorney in participating in marketing events?
0: I would say we have to definitely go towards, we still need to have at least a suit jacket, maybe not the tie anymore, but we do have to look professional. We chose a profession that has a dress code. And a lot of people do treat it as a costume. Like I know a lot of litigators, when they put on the suit, when they go into court, it's their armor, it's their costume. They are literally like, for them, the courtroom is their stage, right? We have to think the same way as when we go to a networking event. Not only do we have to think about what we should wear in terms of we wanna look good, but what do potential clients think a lawyer should look like. If we show up sloppy or looking not like what they think a lawyer should look like, they're going to kind of not want to do business with us. They're going to want to, they're, they're just going to look and say, well, they're not a real lawyer. So as much as I like my sweatpants, I like my leggings. When I go out um, I I've actually ditched the the suit, but I'm always have a a, a dress, heels, jewelry, like ma- makeup. I'm always conscious of the look that I am I am portraying, and I think you kind of have to as a lawyer because again, people have an image of a lawyer in their mind, and if you don't fit that image, you're probably not going to get the business.
1: That I would agree with completely. Let's talk. Briefly about the older attorneys who need to learn technology, don't know where to go. You know, the ones that are uh, still print- having their secretaries print out their emails and dictating their responses.
0: I'm probably going to say something maybe a little controversial, but... Unless they're willing to take a course, like, I mean, Microsoft, you know, offers courses in Excel and Office and Office 360 and Outlook, like you can actually go and, and get a cert- certificate in, in those things. You can actually like, you can go online and learn, learn things as well. They probably aren't going to be taught. Like, I don't, I, you know, if they haven't shown up yet to say, hey, you know, I don't know this. Can somebody help me out here? You can, if if the firm is in such a way that somebody could go to the person and say, we'd like to offer you something, we'd like to help you learn, you know, X, Y, Z skill. But otherwise, what I find is most of the time, it doesn't work. I have a firm, they have a, a partner who's in his 70s and He's still working off like Microsoft documents that he created back in the 90s and when the young people say when the young lawyers say, "Hey, we can get this software program, we can get this, we can get that and make our lives a lot easier." He's like, "Hey, I don't we don't need to spend money on that. I've got my my old docs that like <laughs> have been around for 30 years." It's 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 a I think it's an issue. I would love to see all lawyers learn, but some lawyers I think get to a point where you're not going to to get them to the table.
1: Right. Where would you direct somebody like that? How would you just say go online? If they're not, uh, let's say they get an, an ultimatum from the firm, as some older attorneys have. So you either learn this stuff or it's time for you to retire.
0: I think at that point, um, I would look to programs adult learning programs. Um, And there's a lot of them at local, like CCRI in Rhode Island, where I am, like the local community colleges, actually send them into a, get them out of their office and send them to an actual uh, building where they're learning with other people because if you say you know you can do this in your spare time they'll always be they can always find something else to bill like they'll always find an excuse not to do it i think you literally would have to take them out of their comfort area which might be their office or the firm and actually put them into find an adult learning place that could could offer the course or the class that they need maybe even if it's a technology like a you know, a a CRM system, like a client management system or something, maybe at that point you bring somebody in from the company and it's a firm-wide thing. You're not pointing, hey, you need to do this, right? right? It's everybody's learning this. And maybe that's how you do it. But you have to make it mandatory at that point.
1: Well, Kelly, we're again going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's JD McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you. I bet you he has got so many years of experience, like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went. To a law school are you a lawyer do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace sit down with Guy and conrad for lunch hour legal marketing on the legal talk network available wherever podcasts are found and welcome back to lawyer to lawyer on the legal talk network i'm joined by attorney kelly proya she's founder of Logicate. You know, Kelly, we've kind of alternately talked about marketing and continuous learning, and I bet a lot of our listeners are trying to figure out why we're doing that. But my experience is, and I'd like you to kind of follow up with this and talk about it from your perspective, is that when you engage in continuous learning, you get new hobbies, you keep a little bit of a sharp mind or a little bit sharper, and you get to know other people, which in turn results in your network expanding. What do you think about that?
0: I'm glad you, you brought this up because there was a, over the weekend, um, a podcaster that I listened to, he has a daughter who just went off to college and she was having a little bit of homesickness and she was saying, I don't know anybody. I want to come home. And he said, and he said, you know, I'll give you guys who listen to me the same advice I gave my daughter, go out and volunteer go out and raise your hand, go out and show up at events, go out. You know, he's like, there's probably a hundred different activities going on on campus in any given week, go show up go meet people. And as lawyers, we stay in our offices. We bill like crazy. We don't show up in the community, in any community most of the time. And it's so important to get out there and meet people. And part of being able to meet people is learning new skills. If you want to learn a new language, it's great. You can get Babbel, and, and you know, on your phone and learn your new language. But the best part of learning a new language is being able to speak it with other people. So I know in uh, my area, there are like, well, pre-pandemic, like if you wanted to learn French, you could go to the French library and you could go and, you know, specific, you know, over a spe- specific day, specific time, and you could practice your French skills. And I think that's great because you're hanging out with people with similar interests and it, that's how we build again, the network, the referrals, that's how you get them from the people, you know, and you if you hang out with people who like the same things, it's a lot easier to say, Hey, you know what? I want to go see my friends. Um, you know, whether it's, whether I'm doing music, learning a language, doing Toastmasters, whatever it is, it becomes better to do it with friends, right?
1: Exactly. You know, you mentioned something that kind of triggered a thought in my mind. You have to really set aside some time for learning. How do lawyers who bill like crazy, as you said, learn how to do that? How do you develop that skill?
0: It's hard because we are trained that every minute of our day should be calculated in, what, six-minute increments, right? But you have to set time aside. Like I tell my students, if you have a hobby right now, keep the hobby. If you like running, go run. If you play tennis, go play tennis. If you like playing piano or or, or writing poetry or whatever it is you love and you like to do, keep it. Keep it going. Don't let the profession tell you what and who you should be. But we kind of get into a position where it's kind of drilled into us. Oh, you know, I always have to be working. I always have to be working. Um, I worked with a firm where one of the managing partners used to go around the firm at, on Friday night at like seven, eight o'clock at night and like kind of lament, well, where is everybody and why isn't everybody here? And everybody should be here working. And I expect people to be here on Saturdays. And if you hear that over and over again, you do kind of say, hey, you know, I would love to go learn how to sail or I'd love to go learn how to play golf, but I got to be back in the office. It's kind of reprogramming saying, you know what? I'll work when I'm there. I'll do what it takes, but I need to set time aside to be a better lawyer. And part of being a better lawyer is being a better human being. And by that, I mean, like, again, Go spend time with family, go do something you love, take your vacation, go learn a new skill because those are the things that are going to light you up and they're going to make you a better lawyer because you're going to appreciate when you're at the office, you're going to do your work and then you're going to enjoy your time off and you're not going to regret not being in the office.
1: You know, one component of everything we've been talking about is what's happened for everybody over the last three years where we've basically all been shut up in our homes and and offices and are just now starting to get back out. But how – and there's this whole new – you know, there's all the new phrases of quiet quitting and quiet firing and whatever you want to call it. There's been a groundswell shift in the way that law is being practiced. When they close the offices – Everybody went home and we all had computers at home to be able to work remotely anyway. So we were set for that. But how now does everything we've talked about in terms of the continuous learning and marketing together, how do we deal with that as we transition out of the pandemic back into real life?
0: We really changed. Everyone thought it was going to be really difficult to start working from home. And for years, Lawyers were, you know, you had to be in the office, you had to show, you know, have FaceTime in order to, that was your value. They, they viewed that as, you know, if you go home and work from home, you're not really working, you're not making us any money. And what actually happened was the reverse. I think law had the best years they've ever had the last two years with so many people working from home. And there is a subset of the profession who wants everybody back in the office. And there's a resistance to it. There is most definitely a resistance. People say, I work better. My life flows better. I can get to those you know hobbies and classes and still put the time in for, for billing and, and legal work it's just now I think we're at a point in the tr- in in our profession where we're we're seeing a, a push pull between generations and also just between people who work one way and people who work another and maybe it's generational but I also know a lot of baby boomers who are very happy never to have to commute again and never have to go into the office again. Um, or they go into the office like once or twice a month or whatever they have to do. But as far as marketing goes, I think now that we're back um, post-pandemic or endemic, I don't know what you want to call it, but going to conferences in person, meeting people in person, being able to shake hands, being able to have conversations over lunch and dinner and drinks, and going back to that, I think a lot of us appreciate it more. A lot of us really miss going and just seeing people that we considered friends and all of a sudden we kind of lost our friends, you know, that that just personal human connection. I think we always will need that.
1: Well Kelly, that's been great. It looks like we just about reached the end of our program. So I wanna invite you to share your final thoughts and your contact information so our listeners can reach out to you.
0: I think my final thought would be CLE is what lawyers really traditionally consider continuous learning. And what I'm talking about isn't CLE. If, you're, if you can buy like 100 different CLE classes for 99 bucks and sit in your office and do them online, that's not continuous learning. That's checking a box. What I want to see is lawyers get out there and actually like push the limits. Like, I'm taking a course right now. I actually just bought it in digital course creation. I'm actually going to create digital courses, upend my, my business model. But in order to do that, I just purchased a, a, a nine week course that's going to take me soup to nuts and t- teach me how to do this and i think lawyers need to look at that and say that's continuous learning. Like do i want to be a podcaster? There's plenty of courses to be a podcaster. Do i want to be a blogger? Do i want to learn how to use Instagram? Do i want to learn how to l- use LinkedIn better? Whatever it is, that's continuous learning. Going to to a class that's 60 minutes long to learn the latest easement law in, you know, in in, in your town isn't necessarily continuous learning because what I find with CLE is most of us actually learn the law on our own. Um, Like in Massachusetts, we have no CLE requirement. I'm barred in Massachusetts. I have no CLE requirement, but I guarantee every lawyer in Massachusetts keeps up on the law and the changes in the law in their practice area. But what I also see with the lawyers in Rhode Island who do have a CLE requirement is the patent attorney is taking a course in um, a class on real estate just to check a box. That's not. That's that's a waste of his time. It's not what CLE was meant to be, but it's what it's become. And I think we need to look at that differently as a profession. But in the continuous learning, it's broader than that. It's. It's skills. Maybe it's learning how to be a better negotiator, a better speaker. Maybe it's taking an improv class, whatever it is to move your profession forward, your your career forward. And we don't think about learning as lawyers in that respect.
1: No, we sure don't. But it's been a great idea to do follow up with all of that. Kelly, what's your contact information? How can our listeners reach out to you?
0: So, if anybody wants more information on me and Logicate, my URL is www.logicate.com and my email is Kelly with an I, K E L I, at Logicate.com. And you can link into me. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm uh, on Twitter. And that's, and I have a new Instagram account, the Honest Lawyer Project, um, and that's on Instagram. And I haven't posted anything to Instagram yet, but that's in the works too.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, so our listeners understand, it's Lawducate, L-A-W-D-U-C-A-T-E. That is correct. Great. Kelly, it's been a great having you on the show. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much.
1: It's kind of consistent with what Kelly's said and what Stephen Lefkoff has said and many guests who have been on this podcast. And it seems as if we all need to take a break and we've gotten a good break over the last three years and now picking up into the swing of things once again. Kelly's right. A handshake is, I think, probably the best way to get new business for a young lawyer and establish yourself in the community, as well as get known within the bar. But one of the things that Kelly didn't talk about that I thought about during the program and forgot to ask her is associations. Lawyers will practice in a specific area. I practice in the environmental arena. There are certain trade associations that businesses that have that type of exposure belong to. I also belong to those organizations and meet and greet them because some of those people can be my clients. It's also another way for me to get out and learn more about their manufacturing facilities and their personal exposures and chemicals that they're dealing with and the like. So it benefits both of us. So lifelong learning turns out to be something that is going to help your business as well. So take the time to do it. If you like what you heard today, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. You can also visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter. I'm Craig Williams. Thanks for listening. Please join us next time for another great legal topic. Remember, when you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network.